The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Inbounder, Clark gets it in, gets it back with 10. Clark double teamed along the baseline, throws it up the floor, intercepted by Heen. Pegues for three and the win. He got it with 2.2 to go. 68-67 Paladins. Virginia calls its final timeout. They get it into Beekman on the right side. His three on the way. No, no, and Furman wins it. Furman wins it. J.P. Pegues getting bombed by his teammates right here in front of us. The Paladins win it, 68-67, and knock Virginia out of the tournament. Furman's first appearance since 1980 will not be one and done. Tom Van Hoy, look at this scene here on the floor. Damn, I love this tournament. (laughs) Dan Scott Show on Twitter. Dan Scott with the Furman call this afternoon as the Paladins advanced by knocking out Virginia in the first round today. And as of this afternoon, there are now 18% of the nation's brackets on ESPN that are still perfect. 18%. 82% went. Whoop, out the door with J.P. Pegues hitting a game winner. I knew we were down, late game situation. Um, as you can see, we got we needed to get a steal, a turnover somehow. And, uh, you know, we did pretty good denying out, uh, making, making him force a tough pass, and which he did. And then he threw it to uh, 13, Gary Heen. And then as soon as Gary Heen, I seen it going to Gary Heen's hand, I'm like, I want the ball. I feel like those are moments that I've, cra- I've craved my whole life and I feel like I'm built for. So as soon as I got the ball and I seen a, a shot, a shot attempt that I had, I knew that all I could do at that point was just rise up and shoot it. And I had full belief that it was going in, and it did. Unbelievable ending for that ball game. West Virginia gets shown the door by Maryland. We will touch on that. Troy Coverdale, Brandon Peoples with you this afternoon. Brandon alongside primarily because it means he gets to watch basketball this afternoon as well. Hey, can't complain there. Right? Exactly. That's kind of the idea when you uh, get into the tournament, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I'm still just absolutely flummoxed by what we witnessed with the Furman game earlier today. For Virginia, it's the third time in four tournaments that they have been ousted in the first round. Tony Bennett's... Uh, Tony Bennett is going to be feeling the hot seat again. Second straight year, third time in five years. Because, yeah. of course, 2020 was a no-go. And, of course, they had the, they were the first one to lose to a 16, right? Yes. Unbelievable. Just absolutely crazy the way that that game played out. So, right now, ironically, same bracket. San Diego State and Charleston is the game I've got on the TV screen because... Well, I picked Charleston. We've got ourselves a uh, 5-12 matchup going here, San Diego State being the 5. And as I sat down and I put together my one bracket, 
That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I filled out one bracket this year. I was looking at what the recent lack of success for the Mountain West has been. And then I saw Charleston's record, and I went, yeah, that's a dub right there. Yeah, uh, Utah State gave Missouri a game earlier today. They're out. Yep. Nevada lost last night, shouldn't have even been in. Could make the argument that they took Rutgers' spot and looked awful last night. That's three Mountain West teams already ousted, and we're not even 72 hours into the tournament. That's crazy. Mountain West basketball. That conference right now, honestly, has fallen off the map in so many ways when football at this point has effectively become mediocre because Boise has fallen back to the pack and basketball has been utter failures every time that they get a, get a multiple load of teams into the tournament. You know, every year we, we fool ourselves into this. Yeah, maybe they should have four. They're a good conference. No, when it's all said and done, no, they're not a good conference. They're a mediocre conference. They are a very mediocre conference, and it shows. I, I would put money on a big West team over a Mountain West team right now in the tournament. The way that this is shaking out. Doesn't bode well for my Boise State pick later. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I will say this. Uh, Coach Rice has done a stellar job there. They're just inconsistent offensively. So we will see what plays out. Of course, I also say that knowing full well, you know, Jeff Linder, my friend out at Wyoming, former UNC coach, uh, was Leon's top assistant before he took the Northern Colorado job and is then at Wyoming. So, you know, there's... There's a little bit of juice there, but in the grand scheme of things, the Mountain West is uh, is, is lagging in terms of keeping up with, can you believe I even say this, the American, where at a point they were on a pretty good level with the American. All right, so that said, let's get the quick update before we get too deep here. Uh, Maryland, West Virginia, I'll touch on in a moment. Missouri outlasts Utah State 76-65. Dennis Gates wins 25 games in his first year at the helm at Missouri, and they're still in the tournament. The three previous years under Kim Anderson, they won 27 total. That's a heck of a move. Bad times for Mizzou for a while. And your point, oh, anyway. Uh, Kansas made quick work of Howard. It was a close game for about 16 minutes, and then Kansas took control. Did so without Bill Self today. We'll talk on that coming up. Alabama is blowing the doors off Texas A&M Corpus Christi, 85-67. It's amazing what happens when you don't foul Texas A&M Corpus Christi. They shot... 20-plus free throws the other night to mm-hmm. put themselves into the... We'll talk about physicality in the tournament to date as part of the conversation this afternoon. Ooh, i got to change over. That's, San Diego State-Charleston is uh, 51-46, down to 614 to play. 
Princeton is backdooring Arizona to death right now. It's 31-30 Arizona. That is at halftime. Arkansas blowing out Brad Underwood 32-20. Illinois not looking good late first half. Yet to go tonight. Auburn and Iowa. Oral Roberts and Duke. Colgate and Texas. Boise State Northwestern. Northern Kentucky Houston. Louisiana Tennessee. Penn State Texas A&M. UNC Asheville and UCLA. So... Bill Self was a late scratch today. Best way to put it. The head coach of the Jayhawks electing not to coach today. And I noted this yesterday. In fact, I believe we even addressed it yesterday morning on the morning show. Not the time to try to hurry yourself back. No. Honestly. And especially, and we all know this, we have all seen Bill coach over the years with the intensity and what he puts his body through when coaching definitely not the time to be trying to hustle himself back now that said the fact that he is even in Des Moines with the team is saying something for those who don't know yes it was two stints that were put into arteries last week and it was told to me very early on in my recovery from heart failure in 2014. While we know a lot about the heart, it and the brain continue to be the most confounding and the least knowledgeable we have, knowledgeable things that we know about. Least knowledgeable in that there are things that can happen that we don't have a clue how they occur. And one medicine that I take, literally, I will be taking for the rest of my life, even though that they believe that, you know, essentially it healed my heart. They don't want to take me off of it because they're afraid that if I do, then it is going to affect my heart again. This isn't the time to be tempting fate if you're coaching and you're Bill Self. So credit to everyone involved, having him on the sideline today, away from the game itself, not coaching. Good luck trying to keep him away from being on that bench, though, as the tournament continues. That's the challenge. I, I think there's a good chance you'll see him next weekend. I think maybe he'll take the, this round off. Of course, it doesn't get any easier the further you go. And they're probably going to get Arkansas here in that second round. That could be oh, a man. really good game. Uh, yeah. Well, that's going to shoot craps on that side of the bracket for me. I had Illinois winning that one. Primarily because I didn't exactly want to see Muss win one, but that's another matter altogether in and of itself. Muss with his actions last weekend at the SEC tournament. I should say his assistance yeah. uh, actions at the SEC tournament still was... Musselman has had his issues, though, and uh, great coach, fiery guy, personality, depends on the situation, and he is, if you're in his corner, you're great, but he is one prickly guy, and for him to, in high-profile cases, get into issues... 
I'm trying to remember when the tunnel fight was that he was involved with back with uh, Nevada, where literally you had a fight because there was just basically a curtain that separated the two locker rooms. And one of the players for the opposing team came in through the wrong end and it turned into a melee underneath the stands in the tunnel, you know, at right back by the locker rooms. Oh, man. And and so that's where some of my must-hatred comes from, or at least distaste comes from. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Illinois, back to within eight, still 90 seconds to play in the half there. The thought on Maryland-West Virginia. Maryland was allowed to play West Virginia's game and got by with it. We know the Big 12 is physical. Yep. West Virginia got called for that today. Maryland got by with being physical and a little extra here and there, it felt like. The officiating seemed to be rather uneven. There was one late call where everybody watching the replay on TV could recognize that a ball that was thrown underneath the basket sailed past everybody untouched and went out of bounds. And they officials came back and said, yeah, we can't, uh, we can't determine. We can't change. We can't determine it enough to change our call. Well, we all saw it on TV that they should have changed their call. Maryland maintained a possession because of it under their own basket. But the play that got me was West Virginia gets an opportunity at their end of the floor, gets a good look, one of their guards going up for a shot at about the seven-foot mark, gets it blocked from behind, takes the contact, gets knocked off balance, The guy who hit him came down with the ball because the shot barely got off of the shooter's hands. The Maryland defender who hit him comes down with the ball. It's credited as a blocked shot, essentially, because he blocked the guy's body rather than the shot. The Maryland defender comes down with the ball, and the guy who was shooting got called for the foul on the quote-unquote rebound. I really felt like that Huggins was going to get tossed at that point. He didn't he didn't react the way that I figured he would. I I will say that up front. I figured he would be hot about that one. That one's probably going to have his attention in post game. I didn't see the end of that game unfortunately. I was watching the the end of the Far- Furman game. I want to say Farnham. I know that's not right. <laughs> yes, the 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 Furman game the fact that they almost blew that game. Yeah. That's the point of it that is crazy is that in terms of possessions, they had three bad possessions in a row. Only to have Virginia have one really bad possession and a completely ill-advised pass to try to get out of pressure defense. You never try to throw out of pressure defense to the middle of the floor. Mm-mm. It's a bad pass. And that is where Furman won the game. Not a good day if you're in uh, Virginia's today. 
No, not at all. So as we head to the break, we'll get you the full rundown on the scores coming up, set the schedule again with more. As we continue, along with Brandon Peoples, I'm Troy Coverdale with you this afternoon on The Game. Troy Coverdale, Brandon Peoples with you on The Game this afternoon. One of the best things about being in this control spot as we watch tournament games. See that boss button up there? We don't need that today. (laughs) We don't need that. We get paid to do this. By the way, what is a paladin? Do you know? A knight. Okay, I did not know that. I didn't know where this school was before today, and I didn't know what a paladin was. Now I do. Uh, I believe, is it Greenville, North Carolina? Somewhere in that neighborhood. I, I think the school's in South Carolina. South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah, okay. I knew it was one of the Carolinas. Got to work on that map a little bit in my head. So, inside of two minutes, San Diego State now on top of Charleston by two, 55-53. We'll keep an eye on that as we work towards closing things out this hour on the game. Yes, Mitch Fortner will join us coming up in the next hour as he has uh, made his way to Greensboro, North Carolina. Got there in time, in fact, to watch the Cats in the open practice today. Here's the little secret. The fans, that's what the open practice is for, is, is for the fans and for the national TV and radio crews to get a glimpse of who you are and get involved in your in talking with your coaches and your players a little bit. That's where the research takes place. That's where they, uh, where they at least get a feel for your team. Teams actually hold practices at other locations. For example, when we were at the tournament playing San Diego State in 2011, K-State was on hand in that same portion of the bracket in Tucson. They had Wisconsin in the round of 32 that year. Um, And we practiced at one of the high schools in the area. I'm not sure how many go the high school route or find college route. Either way, usually the teams have private practices elsewhere the same day that they do the open practices. Get their feet underneath them, go through the game plan. The open practices really aren't much more than a layup drill and shooting. It, it's just glorified shoot-around. Hmm. I didn't know that. So, yeah, that that's just one of those little secrets hmm. that uh, what really is taking place. Because you're only out there for just over an hour. You're on a tight schedule. You know, it, th- This is, in fact, similar to the way that if you look at uh, warm-up times before state tournament games and sub-state tournament games here in the state. You know, you're limited to the clock at about 40 minutes. If you touch a basketball before that, you got a problem. You'll get chastised. Hmm. And the NCAA, with how it runs its ship when it comes to this, after all, the signs are up. No drinks beyond this point other than in officially marked NCAA cups. I, I saw Kellis Robinette sent out the tweet with the photo of the sign. Um, yeah, I mean, that is how hardcore they are. This is their baby. It's their brand. It know? is. It is. And the sponsorships, that mm-hmm. you know, they're making sure that they've got their people covered. You've, yeah, it, it's pretty basic when it's all said and done. They're making sure that 
they're protecting their product and their sponsors' products. And so it it's it's interesting to watch it from behind the scenes when you're there as part of a contingent with a team. It really is because the experience is so much different than what we envision it as fans. Honestly, with what happened in 2021, running it as a completely isolated in-house event in Indianapolis the way they did worked out exceptionally well because, yes, you had a limited amount of fans that were allowed, but in the grand scheme of things, they were even isolated far away from the teams. You you were in the bubble when you were there as a team, and the way to pull that off, it only happens with a, a tournament that you have the type of control that the NCAA is able to exert over this tournament. And I think in, in many ways, it was easier for them to plan for it that way because they were able to rely on the knowledge of how they run the tournament. I mean, at night literally the night that Northern Colorado was ousted, we were on a flight by midnight out of Tucson already. Wow, and crazy. Penn State had the game in front of us. They lost to Temple. They were on the tarmac at the same time as we were in Tucson. It was, oh, okay, you're out. We'll see you. That's cold, man. <laughs> <laughs> I figured maybe they hung around a little bit, but no, they're out of there. That's the reality of how they operate this tournament. That's the reality of what they do with this tournament in the hopes of essentially saving themselves some money in some areas. You know, at that point, you can then open up X number of hotel rooms for those who Maybe you are coming into town to watch the next round. It it, it really does change things up, and uh, they they are they they run it with a very fine tooth comb. There is no doubt about that. Want to mention something that I talked about a little yesterday, and I want to get Brandon's thoughts on this. But it goes back to talking a few moments ago about West Virginia and Maryland and how physical that ball game was today and the physicality that Big 12 teams can play with. We have seen K-State at times this year struggle with foul trouble, specifically Keontae Johnson. Jabril Bello, the big man for Montana State, is solid in terms of his body cut. He will be able to take contact tomorrow, no matter what K-State does. The key is, are the officials going to call it as a tight game, or are they going to let them play? And I have my concerns about that because we have seen them call things relatively tight through the tournament to this point. The evidence was, again, the opening night, Texas A&M Corpus Christi shooting the 30 free throws. There were 55 free throws shot between the two teams that night. 
you have seen today that there have been some calls, especially what took West Virginia out of its flow at times today, the fact that physicality wasn't being allowed. That's not a good sign, I feel, for K-State tomorrow, given some of the foul trouble that they have fought through this year. That's just a concern for me going into that game, and it's heightened today by what we have seen. Montana State, if you missed the conversation yesterday, shot 150 more free throws than their opponents have to this point of the year. That's where they are going to want to gum up things against K-State tomorrow night. Yeah, that would be a big advantage, I think. Get themselves to the free throw line, take advantage of opportunities, and we'll see what plays out. I don't like games where it's called too tight. Ugh, it just It's so frustrating because it slows the game down, and it takes, it takes you out of your rhythm, really. Part of the conversation is wondering if officials do this in the first couple of rounds because they're trying to get, quote-unquote, promoted to the next round. Mm. Um, I haven't had the chance at John Adams, the former director of officiating for the NCAA, is on Twitter, and I've had the chance to chat with him a few times, and I haven't asked him out and out if that's true, but I know that that's one of the conversation topics that's out there. You can't let it affect you. And that's going to be something, again, especially late on the second night of the tournament to watch. At that point, how does the officiating impact the game? Will it be what we're seeing today, or will it be allowed to be a little more free-flowing of a game where some physicality is allowed to go and we don't see foul trouble issues come up. Charleston working hard to try to get a last-second opportunity to get to within two, and they will not get a shot off. That was an ugly scramble at the end. The officials are talking. Will there be a foul? Clock is expired on the San Diego State-Charleston game. And they're headed for the review, of course. Why not? Final minute. Uh, That's a four-point game right now. San Diego State on top by four. So we'll see what the review brings. We'll get an update on your forecast next and talk some more about this madness that is the NCAA tournament as we continue on the game. Troy Coverdale, Brandon Peoples with you on the game. Mitch Fortner to join us from Greensboro, North Carolina in the next hour. Essentially, this is just two guys sitting around talking about the tournament. That's pretty well what it is this afternoon. Nothing major to it. A reminder, by the way, as the snow falls, take it easy on your drive, especially if you're headed to Bramlage tonight to watch the women in action. We've got a short show off at 5.30 to make way for Brian Smoller and Missy Heydrich with the call as they will, I should say that's the TV side, my bad, working with our own Jasmine Halliburton. Matt's got the call. I should know better. Waller and uh, Walters on it tonight 
as they will have the call on the uh, K-State Sports Network of K-State in the WNIT against Wichita State. Six o'clock tip-off tonight out at Bramlage. And I give a shout-out real quick to Special Olympics Kansas, too. They've got a basketball tournament this weekend. Oh, yeah. If you want to go see uh, some Special Olympics athletes Friday and Saturday, Anthony and Eisenhower Recreation Centers, that's a free event. Go out and show them some support. Chamber of Commerce, Convention and Visitors Bureau, handling things. Wouldn't hurt to check in, see if they need any final volunteers for that. Uh, As that, again, takes place this weekend at the uh, two rec centers here in town. What a couple of weekends for basketball with the two A's last weekend, of course, and then turn around and have the uh, Special Olympics folks in this weekend. Ironically, I had not looked at the transcript from the media conference from the uh, session before the Cats hit the floor for their open practice this afternoon in Greensboro. First question out of the box to Keontae Johnson. What kind of problems can Montana State pose to you guys if they're playing their best basketball? Johnson, they're a real good team at getting to the foul line, so we've been practicing and preaching about guarding without fouling. Man, do I know what I'm talking about or what, sitting in this chair? Uh, that really is the the assessment as I see that game tomorrow night, the number one thing that's going to have to be watched through the course of that game. Jabril Bello, there's a reason why, and as we talked with Coulter Nuanez the other day, Coulter with ESPN Montana and Skyline Sports, you know, there's a reason why Bello has been a four-time all-conference performer. And that's a first in the Big Sky Conference. Now, you have to qualify that because the current most famous player to come out of the Big Sky Conference played just three years of eligibility, Damian Lillard. Mm. He left after his third season, actually his fourth, because he had a medical redshirt in 2011. That was the year that Northern Colorado won the title, and Weber was stuck on the sideline in large part because they lost Damian early in the season to a broken foot. The next year, he came back with a vengeance. He already had been one of the nation's scoring leaders as a sophomore, and so everybody expected 2011 was going to be it. No. He gets injured. He comes back even better the next year, and, well, the rest is history. Yeah, he's great. But because he left after that third year of play, he did not become a four-time all-conference performer out there. Bello, Bello's not a guy who is going to have a great career at the next level. He's not. He's not built for it. He's not. He, he's talent, but... Remember, the way that the game is played right now, it's not quite the style that he plays. He might be a G League type guy. He's probably going to have success overseas. That's the, the and, and let's be honest, that as much as anything, you're, a lot of your best players from the big sky tend to be overseas guys. They've kind of settled into that. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. They, they make good money with it. I would say so. And... You know, in in a world where you can make money playing basketball, you take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you know, Bellow's not going to be a guy that is going to get in and go head to head with Anthony Davis. 
he's just not that caliber. But the but with that is he's a good college player, and K-State will have its hands full tomorrow night on the interior because of that. How they handle that is going to be, to me, the number one key, that and keeping the officiating from overly impacting the ball game tomorrow night. We'll get Mitch's thoughts on that. By the way, tomorrow will be a practically full show from Greensboro to preview the matchup as Mitch uh, had to uh, deal with the travel challenges of uh, of today to get there, and he got there in time for practice. So you can't, you tell me you can't fly direct from Manhattan, Kansas to Greensboro, North Carolina. We're going to keep working on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to go, uh, what, Dallas to... Sh- Dallas to Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. And then to Greensboro. Greensboro. Good grief. That that was Mitch's day today. After being in Omaha last night to call the Cats and Creighton. How many states has he covered then in the last 24 hours? Nebraska, Kansas, Texas, North Carolina, I guess. Yeah, only four. Four, four states. Four states. But that was the challenge in front of him. And, well, he succeeded. He's there. We'll talk to him coming up next hour. Final thoughts on this hour. In fact, a look at the scoreboard up next as we continue on the game. Got to work on that ending on that version. Not sure what happened to that. It's a little rough. Iconic song there. I don't know what is it the most iconic song in sports? I need to pull up Steve Zabin's lyrics to that. Steve is a talk host that's based out of Milwaukee now, used to be in the DC area. Actually was one of the early winners of the Smack Off years ago on the Jim Rome show. Steve's pretty hilarious. Well, he's got an entire lyric sheet hammered out with lyrics to the CBS college basketball theme. Well, I'm sure it's great. Oh, it's hilarious. Usually usually includes lines that bag on Shishovsky and, you know, some of those types of things. Speaking of bags on, Jim Beheim retires. One week later, he's gotten a guy fired already. Did you hear this story? Uh-uh. Turns out, Bayheim owns a share of a sports talk station in Syracuse. Through the course of the year, he had in fact commented that the only quote-unquote negative that he had been hearing was from a regional sports talk host. Yeah, here's the flaw with that. That regional sports talk host happened to be the guy working at the station that Bayheim had a share of uh, owning. Guess who's out of a job one week after Jim Beheim retires? Oh, good grief. Yeah, not a good look. One of the biggest red... Anyway, um, thank goodness we don't have to worry about that in this building, right? Yeah, exactly. oh, boy. Coming back to start next hour, Mitch Fortner joins us from Greensboro, North Carolina to preview the Cats and the Bobcats as we continue coverage of the NCAA tournament. Your local news on the way. Let's roll with our, well, one and a half of the game. Not a full hour. Troy Coverdale, Brandon Peoples with you in studio this afternoon. We're going to try this. I don't know why. Did something get switched wrong here? Or are we into our troubles that we had this morning again? Mitch, are you hearing anything right now, my friend? Hello, Mitchell. Nope. Hello? Yes, sir. Are you there? Test one, two. 
test one two. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, hey, hey. Okay, so you do hear something at least now. Okay. <sighs> we had issues this morning, so. Hi there. How was your trek? Uh, it was a day that started at 4 a.m., and I got here at about, uh, I got to the Greensboro Coliseum at about 2.30, uh, two layovers, everything was on time, but man, it hasn't been a long day. This is my second time, I've kind of pulled it all night or heading into Greensboro, North Carolina, did it for baseball one time, and uh, played a game in Elon, uh, that was a long day, but I'm just... I'm happy to be here. I got just here and just in time to watch the Cats practice. And really, all it was was a shoot-around. There wasn't a whole lot of people mm-hmm. here. But there, there, there's more media here than anybody else. We will see how that, of course, shakes out tomorrow as the uh, Cats match up tomorrow evening with uh, Montana State. You did get the opportunity to hear Danny Sprinkle, the head coach of the Bobcats, speak some this afternoon as well uh, after taking in the open practice. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we did hear him talk, and um, uh, sure. He um, <laughs> spoke a lot about the team being more healthy, and um, he's, got some, he's got some leadership. He really does. He's got about three or four really strong players. I don't know if I'd call him, like, pro talent or anything, but certainly, you know, talented when it comes to the Big Sky Conference. That's so, a, that that gets to something that we actually addressed last hour a little in talking about Jabril Bello is that you know he to me is a guy that is going to be a challenge tomorrow night partially because what we have seen today in the tournament and really even through the first four is that physicality is not being rewarded physicality is being called by the officials West Virginia losing today is a prime example of that and if the cats aren't prepared to play well, Bello is a guy that can do damage to them. He's not a guy who's going to be a next level that you'll see take on an Anthony Davis, but he's a guy that is good enough that he can make things tough. Yeah, I, I, I worry I do worry about his size a little bit. You know, he's he's what six nine, but he's over he's around what, two fifty ish or something like that. He actually didn't look that heavy. Uh, or that muscular, but he's in the 200s. He's a big guy, um, and it, you know it makes me think back to that Butler game mm. and the you know the big five that Butler had and how good he was and how he was able to just manhandle K State at times down the paint. So I don't, I don't think Jabril Bello is that good, but he I mean he can be good. I mean he's he has scored over you know a thousand points in his career. He's over 500 rebounds and over 150. Blocks. He's one of five active players in college basketball uh, with those kind of numbers. So he's made a career, and he's from England, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of like you know, it's uh, Casey's kind of America's team tomorrow because uh, I think there's three Brits on this team. I mean, this is the this is the latest rematch since that. Well, it actually wasn't that long ago since the Royals played Great Britain in an exhibition. There so you go. It's, just, it's one of those important battles, if you know what I mean. Uh, that is one way of looking at it. I did find it interesting that right out of the box, Keontae Johnson was asked about physical play and how to deal with Montana State uh, in the press conference as well. This is something that Jerome Tang is fully aware of also, and that is that uh, that Montana State feasts at the free throw line, and the idea is to keep them away from it. Man, you're giving away all my Mitch Palm for tomorrow. Sorry, man. Uh, 
No, but you do bring up a great point. Uh, that's the free throw line. That was brought up during the um, the Montana State press conference where, actually, I mean, for a, a portion of the season, Montana State actually struggled at the free throw line. And I, I can't really pinpoint where it all started, but they did mention that things calibrated after a, a slow start at the free throw line, and they got much better. I mean, Montana State, if, if this is a close game, they got three or four guys that can go knock down free throws and opportunities, and you know Danny Sprinkle is smart enough to have those guys on the floor in those crucial moments if it, if it gets to that kind of point. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I was going to bring up um, who it, – it's a player from Montana State, probably isn't talked about enough when it comes to looking into uh, the, bo- or the uh, Montana State Bobcats, and that's um, Darius Brown who transferred in. He's been a Marquise Noel where he's, he's going to take some threes. He's a great assist guy. He's a great steal guy. And by the way, he's also the best th- uh, free throw shooter at over 90%. So, and, and we're going to probably see them guard each other tomorrow. That, that's going to be a really fun, I think, matchup to watch. Those two point guards, those two guards that are quick, they, they can read a defense really well. They know how to pick off a pass. They can pickpocket a guy with their, with their man-to-man defense. That's going to be very interesting, and I think he's going to, you know, Darius Brown. I think is going to give Marquise Noel. Coach Sprinkle said it earlier, where it's going to have to take a team effort, obviously, to be able to guard like a Marquise Noel. Everybody's going to probably have their shot to guard him at at one point or another. But their best defender is Darius Brown, and I think, to me, Montana State's a little bit better defensively than offensively. The turnover numbers really speak about that. They force 14 turnovers a game. K-State averages 14 turnovers a game. Mm-hmm. You just you hope this isn't a game that gets ugly in that area, like what TCU did in the quarterfinals of the of the Big 12 tournament, and like Princeton is doing to Arizona right now. Literally, oh, a I, I, one point game with 50 seconds to play. Princeton leads. Well, I'm glad you told me because I uh, I was downloading the audio from uh, the press conference for K-State, but it's in video form, and it took forever. <laughs> I started closing all these tabs to try to see if it'd go faster, and then I finally got it downloaded, and I didn't click back on Princeton, Arizona, so I'm glad you reminded me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it on right now. I'll probably be behind you, but i got to check this out. There hasn't been a ton of madness, I would say. Oh. I will say I, I, the, uh, the Furman shot to beat Virginia, to share a quick story, uh, this is the first thing that was told to me as I ran into a couple. Of, I ran into Kellis, ran from, into a couple of people at K State, and they're like, "You just missed it." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "So uh, up on the scoreboard that's above um, the court, it, they just they have games on, and um, they had the Furman shot on there, and everybody in the gym was watching, and everybody popped." Sure. And it, it was, was K-State was actually taking the floor when that happened, I guess. Uh, Arizona just missed a free throw. Princeton's got the ball. Chance to go up three. Foul on the shot. You see how this is going to play out. Wow. How about that? <laughs> Princeton up one. Yeah, so I, I just saw the foul. 21 seconds to go. Princeton people, that whole section is probably just full of geniuses. Sure. Uh, just going nuts right now. Um uh, Meanwhile, the young lady from Arizona that was just shown is two seconds away from Serena Cobra. <laughs> Got it. It's interesting because when I, when I turned it off, I think it was a 10-point game. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it, it's it's crazy how some of these games have played today. I did not see Maryland beating West Virginia. I really did not, and it played out perfectly for Maryland, and they got a little help along the way. So I know I know Arkansas is still playing. Yes, but I have I have Arkansas beating Kansas in the round of thirty two. Dude, I don't know if you saw. I I put my bracket on the on the uh, uh, you know where DG has his office. Yes, I always post my bracket there. By the way, Princeton now up three with 21 seconds to go. Oh, my God. Here we go. Air this ball is what on this a, is all about. Yeah, air ball on a three oh. try. Get another crack oh at boy. it. <sighs> Princeton is going to win this thing. Unbelievable. Well, well, there goes my first Final Four team out. <sighs> wow. How about that? How about that? Um, Pack twelve. Do we really want them in the Big Twelve, Arizona? <laughs> Take a hike. Unbelievable. Un- Shout out to the Tigers. So, at that point, does the Pack twelve get to literally say no? UCLA isn't wasn't a member of our conference either when they got beat by Princeton. <laughs> Listen, this just goes to show that this I mean, tournament. It's the Ivy League. Like the Ivy League doesn't win NCAA tournament games. It, it's pretty rare for mm-hmm. this kind of thing to happen. So it's like you know, don't count out a Montana State. Don't count out a Furman. Right. I didn't. I did not have Princeton on my top ten list for potential Cinderellas. So this is a this is a really big shocker. Uh, after Furman won today. Oh. There were down to like and a ten. Free throw good to go up yeah, four. Yeah, there were down to like eighteen percent of brackets nationwide. Literally eighteen percent of brackets were perfect at that point. It's going to go farther well, down. Obviously, everybody's going to miss this one. The one miss I did have, I wasn't. I didn't think West Virginia was going to lose to Maryland. And West Virginia looked like for a while there they were going to keep control of that game and win it. Uh, no, that did not happen. So. Wasn't yep. a good start for the Big 12. Well, I just lost the one team in my Final Four that wasn't from the Big 12. Nice job, Arizona. Oh, I, if you if you haven't seen my bracket, I actually I don't have, I believe it or not, I do not have a, a Big 12 team in my Final Four. Uh, I have Alabama, Alabama, Duke, Houston, UConn. Wow. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> How's the arena, by the way? Uh, it's all right. It's generic. You know, it's, yeah, it's all right. You know, plenty of room for the media, and I appreciate that. We're not in the rafters. Hey, there you uh, go. So that's fine. Uh, but this is my first time here. There's a lot of uh, rich pro wrestling history at the Greensboro Coliseum. This is old uh, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes territory. This is going to be entertaining tomorrow, isn't it? We're gonna uh, we're well, gonna we'll get see. we're gonna get the full wrestling rundown from you tomorrow, right? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get uh, Dy to join me here from Greensboro tomorrow. Um, talk to him for a few segments. That you know, he's a, he's kind of an old school wrestling guy. I might be brought up. I I meant to because I know that WCW used to run through this territory. This wasn't WWF territory. This is WCW, right? So that's where you got the flares in the in the in the dusty roads. I don't know, I'll look into it later. Maybe it'll come up tomorrow. But tomorrow, I'll definitely have. I'm gonna. De- I'm gonna definitely try to have 
D.Y. on. I'm going to do some Mitch Palm. We're going to hear from Jerome Tang. We're going to hear from Danny Sprinkle. Great name, by the way. I can't get over Danny Sprinkle. And a really good guy. Ask him a, ask him a question about Desi Seals, and he knocked the question out of the park. I thought it was awesome. He did a really good job at this press conference. Yeah. Uh, they got a little emotional, I heard. Yeah. Yeah, but but a good guy, uh, and and I know that from the the intersection that I had with him back in the days as well. Get yourself some supper and get some rest. I'm running on fumes right now, my man. But we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. I'll get some sleep. I'm not going out tonight. Too much basketball going on tomorrow. I need my rest. There you go. Thank you, Mitch. Talk to you then. Uh- Mitch Fortner in Greensboro, North Carolina. As uh, yeah. He's getting geared up for tomorrow night's action, and we'll have a full rundown on things tomorrow from Greensboro here on The Game as we've got a full two-hour show in front of us tomorrow ahead of K-State baseball. A rundown of the latest scores on the tournament scoreboard coming up next.